0: Section Eight of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The value of a brother. This story was told by the master while at Jedavana about a certain countrywoman. For it fell out once in Kosala that three men were ploughing on the outskirts of a certain forest, and that robbers plundered folk in that forest and made their escape. The victims came in the course of a fruitless search for the rascals to where the three men were ploughing. "'Here are the forest robbers, disguised as husbandmen!' they cried, and hauled the trio off as prisoners to the king of Kosala. Now time after time there came to the king's palace a woman who with loud lamentations begged for herewith to be covered. Hearing her cry, the king ordered a shift to be given her, but she refused it, saying this was not what she meant. So the king's servants came back to his majesty and said that what the woman wanted was not clothes, but a husband. Then the king had the woman brought into his presence and asked her whether she really did mean a husband. "'Yes, sire,' she answered, for a husband is a woman's real covering, and she that lacks a husband, even though she be clad in garments costing a thousand pieces, goes bare and naked indeed.' and to enforce this truth the following sutta should be recited here like kingless kingdoms like a stream run dry so bare and naked is a woman seen who having brothers ten yet lacks a mate pleased with the woman's answer the king asked what relation the three prisoners were to her and she said that one was her husband one her brother and one her son well to mark my favour said the king i give you one of the three which will you take sire was her answer if i live i can get another husband and another son but as my parents are dead i can never get another brother so give me my brother sire pleased with the woman the king set all three men at liberty and thus this one woman was the means of saving three persons from peril when the matter came to the knowledge of the Brotherhood, they were lauding the woman in the Hall of Truth when the Master entered. Learning on enquiry what was the subject of their talk, he said, This is not the first time, brethren, that this woman has saved those three from peril. She did the same in days gone by. And, so saying, he told a story of the past. THE GRATEFUL ANIMALS once on a time Brahmadatta was reigning in Benares. He had a son named Prince Wicked. Fierce and cruel was he, like a scotched snake. He spoke to nobody without abuse or blows. Like grit in the eye was this prince to all folk, both within and without the palace. Or like a ravening ogre, so dreaded and fell was he. One day, wishing to disport himself in the river, he went with a large retinue to the waterside and a great storm came on, and utter darkness set in. "'Hi there!' cried he to his servants. "'Take me into midstream, bathe me there, and then bring me back again.' So they took him into midstream, and there took counsel together, saying, "'What will he do to us when king? Let us kill the wicked wretch here and now. So in you go, you pest!' they cried, as they flung him into the water." When they made their way ashore, they were asked where the prince was, and replied, We don't see him. Finding the storm come on, he must have come out of the river and gone home ahead of us. The courtiers went into the king's presence, and the king asked where his son was. We do not know, sire, they said. A storm came in, and we came away in the belief that he must have gone on ahead. At once, the king had the gates thrown open. Down to the riverside he went, and bade diligent search be made up and down for the missing prince. But no trace of him could be found, for in the darkness of the storm he had been swept away by the current, and, coming across a tree-trunk, had climbed on to it, and so floated downstream, crying lustily in the agony of his fear of drowning. Now there had been a guild merchant living in those days at Benares, who had died, leaving forty crores buried in the banks of that same river, and because of his craving for riches he was reborn as a snake at the spot under which lay his dear treasure. And also in the selfsame spot another man had hidden thirty crores, and because of his craving for riches was reborn as a rat at the same spot. In rushed the water into their dwelling-place, and the two creatures, escaping by the way by which the water rushed in were making their way athwart the stream, when they chanced upon the tree-trunk to which the prince was clinging. The snake climbed up at one end, and the rat at the other, and so both got a footing with the prince on the trunk. Also there grew on the river-bank a silk cotton-tree, in which lived a young parrot, and this tree, being uprooted by the swollen waters, fell into the river. The heavy rain beat down the parrot when it tried to fly, and it alighted in its fall upon the same tree trunk. And so there were now these four floating downstream together upon the tree. Now the bodhisatta had been reborn in those days as a Brahmin in the northwest country. Renouncing the world for the hermit's life on reaching manhood, he had built himself a hermitage by the bend of the river, and there he was now living. As he was pacing to and fro at midnight, he heard the loud cries of the prince, and thought thus within himself. "'This fellow-creature must not perish thus before the eyes of so merciful and compassionate a hermit as I am. I will rescue him from the water and save his life.' So he shouted cheerily, "'Be not afraid! Be not afraid!' and plunged across the stream, seized hold of the tree by one end, and being as strong as an elephant, drew it in on the bank with one long pull, and set the prince safe and sound upon the shore. Then, becoming aware of the snake, and the rat, and the parrot, he carried them to his hermitage, and there, lighting a fire, warmed the animals first, as being the weaker, and afterwards the prince. This done... He brought fruits of various kinds and set them before his guests, looking after the animals first and the prince afterwards. This enraged the young prince, who said within himself, "'This rascally hermit pays no respect to my royal birth, but actually gives brute beasts precedence over me.' And he conceived hatred against the Bodhisatta. A few days later, when all four had recovered their strength and the waters had subsided, The snake bade farewell to the hermit with these words, "'Father, you have done me a great service. "'I am not poor, for I have forty crores of gold hidden at a certain spot. "'Should you ever want money, all my hoard shall be yours. "'You have only to come to the spot and call snake.' Next the rat took his leave, with a like promise to the hermit as to his treasure, bidding the hermit come and call out, Rat! Then the parrot bade farewell, saying, Father, silver and gold I have none, but should you ever want for choice rice, come to where I dwell and call out, Parrot, and I, with the aid of my kinsfolk, will give you many wagon-loads of rice. Last came the prince, His heart was filled with base ingratitude, and with a determination to put his benefactor to death, if the Bodhisatta should come to visit him. But concealing his intent, he said, Come, father, to me when I am king, and I will bestow on you the four requisites. So saying, he took his departure, and not long after succeeded to the throne. The desire came on the Bodhisatta to put their professions to the test, and first of all he went to the snake and standing hard by its abode, called out, Snake! At the word, the snake darted forth, and with every mark of respect said, Father, in this place there are forty crores in gold. Dig them up and take them all. It is well, said the Bodhisatta. When I need them, I will not forget. Then bidding adieu to the snake, he went on to where the rat lived, and called out, Rat! and the rat did as the snake had done going next to the parrot and calling out parrot the bird at once flew down at his call from the treetop and respectfully asked whether it was the bodhisatta's wish that he with the aid of his kinsfolk should gather paddy for the bodhisatta from the region around the himalayas the bodhisatta dismissed the parrot also with a promise that if need arose he would not forget the bird's offer last of all being minded to test the king in his turn the Bodhisatta came to the royal pleasance, and on the day after his arrival made his way, carefully dressed, into the city on his round for alms. Just at that moment the ungrateful king, seated in all his royal splendor on his elephant of state, was passing in rightwise procession round the city followed by a vast retinue. Seeing the Bodhisatta from afar, he thought to himself, here's that rascally hermit come to quarter himself and his appetite on me i must have his head off before he can publish to the world the service he rendered me with this intent he signed to his attendants and on their asking what was his pleasure said methinks yonder rascally hermit is here to importune me See that the ill-omened ascetic does not look at me, but seize and bind him, flog him at every street-corner, and then march him out of the city, chop off his head at the place of execution, and impale his body on a stake. Obedient to their king's command, the attendants laid the innocent great being in bonds and flogged him at every street-corner on the way to the place of execution. But all their floggings failed to move the bodhisatta, or to wring from him any cry of, "Oh, my mother and father! All he did was to repeat this stanza. They knew the world, who framed this proverb true, a log pays better salvage than some men. These lines he repeated wherever he was flogged, till at last the wise among the bystanders asked the hermit what service he had rendered to the king. Then the Bodhisatta told the whole story, ending with the words, So it comes to pass that by rescuing him from the torrent I brought all this woe upon myself, and when I bethink me how I have left unheeded the words of the wise of old, I exclaim as you have heard. Filled with indignation at the recital, the nobles and Brahmins and all classes with one accord cried out, This ungrateful king does not recognize even the goodness of this good man who saved his majesty's life. How can we have any profit from this king? Seize the tyrant! And in their anger they rushed upon the king from every side and slew him there and then, as he rode on his elephant, with arrows and javelins and stones and clubs and any weapons that came to hand. The corpse they dragged by the heels to a ditch and flung it in. Then they anointed the Bodhisatta king and set him to rule over them. As he was ruling in righteousness, one day the desire came on him again to try the snake and the rat and the parrot, and followed by a large retinue he came to where the snake dwelt. At the call of snake came out the snake from his hole, and with every mark of respect said, Here, my lord, is your treasure, take it. Then the king delivered the forty crores of gold to his attendants, and proceeding to where the rat dwelt, called Rat, out came the rat and saluted the king and gave up his thirty crores. Placing this treasure, too, in the hands of his attendants, the king went on to where the parrot dwelt and called Parrot. And in like manner the bird came and, bowing down to the king's feet, asked whether it should collect rice for his majesty. "'We will not trouble you,' said the king." till rice is needed. Now let us be going. So with the seventy crores of gold, and with the rat, the snake, and the parrot as well, the king journeyed back to the city. Here in a noble place, to the state-story of which he mounted, he caused the treasure to be lodged and guarded. He had a golden tube made for the snake to dwell in, a crystal casket to house the rat, and a cage of gold for the parrot. Every day, too, by the king's command, food was served to the three creatures in vessels of gold, sweet parched corn for the parrot and snake, and scented rice for the rat. And the king abounded in charity and all good works. Thus, in harmony and good will with one another, these four lived their lives, and when their end came, they passed away to fare according to their deserts. End of section eight.